Today, we're in the second part of this five-part message series called Stand. And we're looking at five different stories within the Old Testament. We can go ahead and bring those lights up. Five stories within the Old Testament book of Daniel where we can learn how to stand in the face of opposition, stand, uh, standing up for the things that we know we're supposed to stand for. So we're, we're going to stand again today and talk about um, this in part two of this five-week series. If you missed last week, I encourage you to go online and watch it. We talked about uh, how we can stand out. We talked about how the king tried to change things by telling the people how they should think, telling the people how they should act, telling the people what they should do, so much so that the king ordered um, Daniel and his um, three friends in, and he changed their diet, and he changed their name. And he tried to change everything about them, but they stood up to what they knew that they were supposed to. But here, but here's the key. They stood up for the right reasons, but they did it the right way. See, there's a right. You can stand up for the right things the wrong way. And we have to be careful that we stand up for the things the right way. So they stood up behind what they knew was true. And in the end, the king found no one better than Daniel. They found no And so we need to stand up for the right things the right way. The, the, the right way. Next week, if you're weak spiritually, we're going to talk about how do we stand strong in the face of opposition. Because how many people in here know that when you do something for God, there always seems to be opposition somewhere? Amen. Ain't that the truth? Today, though, I want to talk about how do we stand up for what's right because the reality is simply this. I don't care who you are or what position you hold, how old you may be, at some point, somebody you love is going to make unwise choices, and every now and again, God is going to prompt you to stand up for what is right to help guide them back to the right path. Now, week four is, hands down, my favorite week of all of them, and I can't wait to get to that one because I'll tell you, right now, today's my least of all the five because it's a tough message. And quite honestly, some people may even hear the message the wrong way. That's why we're going to pray in a moment that we have open minds and open hearts to hear as the Lord would want us to hear. Some people hear messages like this and, again, hear them wrongly. There, there are confrontational people. And there are non-confrontational people. We all seem to fit in one of those two ways. And some of you may be just a little bit more passive, but I would venture out to say that nobody in here really just enjoys going up to somebody to confront them of something they may be doing wrong. No, nobody says, hey, I'm waking up today and I'm going to go find somebody that's not doing something right and I'm just going to tell them a piece of my mind. I don't think we just wake up wanting to do that. But in some cases, a confrontation like that may be necessary to stand up for what you know is true as long as it's in the word of God. So to be honest with you, there's, if you're taking notes today, there's two very confrontational extremes. And there's extreme number one. Some people are just unwilling to do it. And they kind of talk themselves out of it by saying things like, well, it's none of my business. I'm just going to live and let live. Who am I to judge? And there are some that are really just, just don't confront when the Lord prompts them to confront to help move things along in the ways of God. Everyone just do what you want and stay out of each other's way. 
But the other extreme to that is that some people confront unlovingly. They confront unlovingly. And these people, they don't have any context. They have no relationship with you. And they just blah, 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 tell you just a piece of their mind as if you're going to change based on what they say. And social media today has made this so much worse. Because now people can sit behind a laptop and say what they want to say and don't really confront anybody in person, but confront people with their words. And let me tell you something, that's not the Christian way to do things. The Bible says that if you ought with your brother to go to them and to work it out. Not on social media. So what I want us to do today is I want us to pray and I want us to ask the Lord to help us throughout this message. We're going to be going to Daniel chapter Four, uh, but if you would help me pray today that that this message is spoken with clarity, and that the Holy Spirit would use that to maybe help somebody today. Lord God, I thank you so much for this opportunity to be able to preach your word yet again. God, it's such an honor to be able to stand behind this this pulpit, God, and to teach about you, to talk about you. So, God, we're going to ask you today to be with us. Allow your holy presence, your Holy Spirit to be with us today. God, I ask you, Lord, that you would touch our minds. God, open up our minds to know the truth of your word, to open up our ears to know the truth of your word, to open up our eyes to see the truth of your word today. God, allow us to be transformed by the power of your spirit. So, God, I pray, Lord, that you'd be with me today as I deliver this message. God, I pray, Lord, that you would speak to me and you do with me what you did with Moses when you said, I'll be your mouth as you speak. So, God, be with me today and allow this message to speak to somebody. And it's in your name I pray. And everybody said, Amen. what we've got to do today is when we feel prompted of the Holy Spirit to confront something, we must seek God for wisdom as to how to do it in the right way at the right time for the right reasons. Because if you love Jesus, there will be those times when God will call you to intervene in someone's life because you love them. And how we present ourselves and ultimately present Christ in those situations could mean heaven or hell for somebody. It's natural that we don't like to confront, but in some cases it may be necessary to do so. If you're a parent, you may have a, you may have a child that's making bad choices. And you need to know when is the right time to step in so that you don't push too hard and push them away. Because in some cases, if you push too hard too quick, you push them away from the very things of God but we ask for wisdom to say God how do I confront this matter so that I can talk to them to bring them back to Christ and sometimes we may even find out that our kids are making bad choices because ultimately we're making the bad ones too and they're a direct product of who we are so in some cases, we have to check our own spirit to make sure that we're doing what's right. You may have a relative that's making poor choices with their money. And you know that over time, it's going to hurt them. And so God may call you because you love them and because you care about them to sit down and say, hey, there's a better way to do this. Or your best friend continues to make bad choices. And you see them going down a path that may be harmful to them. And because you, again, love them, 
and want what's best for them and you understand that you're not perfect and you're not judging, but you want to love them enough to help them make the good choices. You see, sometimes we don't step in and intervene like we should because we're afraid to mess up that title of I'm just a friend. I don't want to say anything to them because I still want them to like me. And can I tell you this morning, church, that we are not true friends unless we intervene when we see somebody that we love doing something we know they shouldn't be doing. And so that's why today we're going to look at Daniel chapter 4. And if you missed last week, you missed my description of King Neb here. He was so evil. Nebuchadnezzar was one of the most evil kings recorded in the Bible. And it's absolutely impossible to describe how oppressive his treatment of the people actually was. And what's interesting is that he did actually see the work of God at hand. He knew about God. He had seen his power. And in some cases, he would even lean toward the things of God. And quite honestly, maybe even like some of us today. I mean, at some point in your life, you were drawn to the things of God. And then like this evil king, pride would kick in. And then you'd pull back and say, hey, forget about that. I can do things differently. And that's what Nebuchadnezzar did. He knew what was right, but he chose to do it his own way, which ultimately hurt him. So here we go, Daniel chapter 4. We're going to begin in verse number 1. King Nebuchadnezzar, to the nations and peoples of every language who live in all the earth, may you prosper greatly. Now I want you to listen to how this is worded because it shows how prideful he really is. It is my pleasure to tell you about the miraculous signs and wonders that the Most High God has performed for who? Because it was all about him. It was all about the king. Hey, I have the pleasure to tell you everything God has done for me. Watch this. How great are his signs and mighty his wonders. His kingdom is an eternal kingdom. His dominion endures from generation to generation. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at home in my palace contented and prosperous. Because remember, again, it's all about him. I had a dream that made me afraid as I was lying in bed. The images and the visions that passed through my mind terrified me. So I commanded that all the wise men of Babylon be brought before me to interpret this dream. And so he brought all these people into him. Now, I want, what you, I want you to see what it says at the end of verse number 7. I told them the dream, but they could not interpret it for me. And then Daniel came into my presence, and I told him the dream. And so here's what happened. To give you some context, God gave him this crazy dream. And the dream had him so messed up, it weirded him out so terribly that he couldn't sleep. So he called in his interpreters, and he said, what does this dream mean? Well, if you read different versions of this passage, some versions say that they could not interpret the dream. Other versions say that they would not interpret the dream. Now, there's a big difference in could not and would not. Some of them, and just in my opinion here, I don't want you to think that this is what the Bible says, but in my opinion, I think that they could interpret the dream, 
Because when you listen to it, it's so elementary in context that anybody could understand it. I think they knew exactly what it was, but they're like, this is bad news and it's about the king and I'm not going to tell the king because this king had a history of killing people who gave him messages that he didn't like. So these people probably understood what the dream truly, truly meant, but said, I, I don't want to go tell this king what this really means. So I, I think they were probably something along the lines of, well, I don't know, king. That's a good one, man. That's really confused me. I'm not real sure what that means. Hey, let's call Daniel in here. And that's what the king did. The king went and asked Daniel, who last week we found out in chapter 1 that he was just a teenage boy. Well, now he's a man and he's been in this, this kingdom now for multiple years and he has a personal relationship with this king. He's actually already interpreted dreams for him before. And so they have a relationship that has been solid. And see, that's key because we need to understand that for somebody to have the ability to, to confront somebody correctly, they must already have an established relationship with them. They must have a place where they can speak into their life. And so the king says, here's my dream, and this is what Daniel tells him. He says, I... I know that the spirit of the holy gods is in you and no mystery is too difficult for you. Here's my dream, Daniel. Interpret it for me. These are the visions I saw while lying in bed. I looked and there before me stood a tree in the middle of the land. Its height was enormous. The tree grew large and strong and its top touched the sky. It was visible to the ends of the earth. Its leaves were beautiful, its fruit abundant, and on it was food for all. Under it, the wild animals found shelter, and the birds lived in its branches. From it, every creature was fed. But in the visions I saw while lying in bed, I looked, and there before me was a holy one, a messenger, coming down from heaven. He called in a loud voice, Cut down the tree and trim off its branches. Strip off its leaves and scatter its fruit. Let the animals flee from under it and the birds from its branches. But let the stump and its roots, bound with iron and bronze, remain in the ground in the grass of the field. Let him be drenched with the dew of heaven. And let him live with the animals among the plants of the earth. Let his mind be changed from that of a man and let him be given the mind of an animal till seven times pass by him. This dream is announced by these messengers. The Holy One declares the verdict so that the living may know that the Most High is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth and gives them to anyone he wishes and sets over them the lowliest of people. This is the dream that I had. Now, tell me what it means. For none of these wise men in my kingdom can interpret it for me. But you can, because the spirit of the holy gods is in you. So this king tells Daniel the dream, and Daniel gets real, real, real quiet. And he doesn't want to interpret the dream. Now, what could Daniel have done? If I'm Daniel, I might have said, gosh, king, that's, that's a good one. Just don't know what that means. You know, I've kind of retired from all this dream stuff. Now I just like to garden and, you know, play golf. And I just don't know that I want to do this. But here's what Daniel did. We're going to watch as Daniel lovingly stands up to the king. 
A confrontation, if you choose to call it that. Because remember, sometimes confrontation helps. Now, dreams have meaning. Most all dreams have meaning. Some dreams have none whatsoever. And you wake up and you say, what in the world did I just dream? Has anybody done that? Come on, just two. Okay, three. But dreams, has anybody ever had a dream where you felt trapped where you can't get some, some, somewhere, usually that dream means that you feel overwhelmed about something. Have you ever dreamed that you were on top of something high and you just fell and you kept falling and you, kept, and you, and you woke up right before you hit the, the ground? Uh, so research says that that type of dream happens very early within the sleep cycle. And in fact, it kind of tells us that there's something in our life that we can't control and there's something about it that we don't like. So dreams have meaning. I have had this recurring dream since I was a child all the way through adulthood that it is literally the same thing every single time. And, and, and so we're talking more times than I can count here where I would be on the ground with these people. I can't describe them to you. Their faces weren't kind of clear to me, but they were out to get me. And the only way to get out was to cross a bridge. But these people were on each side of the bridge and I was stuck right in the, the middle of this bridge and I couldn't do anything and in every single dream out of nowhere an eagle swoops in and picks me up and carries me over the top to where I can see it all and I've had that dream thousands of times and when I look up and research eagles within dreams you know eagles have such a a significance to, to, to them. And, and some say that this type of bird is born with the strength to fly high in the sky. So as the bird flies, it gains power over the birds and the creatures. And it's, and it's because these birds can fly to a greater height than any other bird. It means the same for us in real life that the dream came to encourage me that even though things on earth I may not control and things here that I may not understand, that the eagle always is going to come down and protect me when I need him the most so dreams have meaning and so Daniel knew that this dream had some type of meaning and so here's what happened in chapter 4 verse number 19 we have a king we have this big tree the holy one from heaven says cut it down and he says to Daniel who's interpreted dreams in the past what does it mean and the first thing that Daniel says is this he was greatly perplexed for a time and his thoughts terrified him so the king said do not let this dream or its meaning alarm you he answered my lord if only the dream applied to your enemies and its meaning with your adversaries in other words he's showing that he actually cares for the king he actually loves the king because he doesn't really want to tell. He knows what the dream means, but he doesn't want to share it with him. But then we go down to verse number 22, and he begins to tell him the truth about this dream. He says, your majesty, you are that tree. You have become great and strong. Your greatness has grown until it reaches the sky, and your dominion extends to distant parts of the earth. What he literally means is you have influence. And then in verse number 25, he translates the dream and says, here's what it means. You will be driven away from people and will live with the wild animals. 
You will eat grass like the ox and be drenched with the dew of heaven. Seven times will pass by for you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over all kingdoms on the earth and gives them to anyone he wishes. I mean, you're going to literally, this is what this this dream was interpreted as. You're literally going to be like a wild animal, like a crazy man. He says seven times will pass, seven years. Seven years will go by for you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over all the kingdoms of the earth and gives them to anyone he wishes. It goes on to verse number 26. The command to leave the stump of the tree with his roots means that your kingdom will be restored to you when you acknowledge that heaven rules. Now he could have stopped there because he did what the king asked him to do. He could have said there's the interpretation of that dream and he could have very easily left it at that but Daniel didn't do that. I want you to watch as we bring context back into this because if you notice, Daniel now has the courage to do something that literally risked his own life. This king literally killed people for giving messages that he didn't like. He stood up to the king, not because he was proud of himself, not because Daniel was arrogant and wanted to correct the king, not because he was thought that he thought that he was better than the king. He stood up to the king because he loved the king and he wanted the king to know the goodness of God. And this is what Daniel had the courage to say in verse number 27. Therefore, your majesty, be pleased to accept my advice. Renounce your what? Renounce your sins by doing what is right and your wickedness by being kind to the oppressed. It may be that then your prosperity will continue. King Nebuchadnezzar, Please accept what I'm about to tell you. I want you to renounce your sin. I want you to stop sinning, and I want you to start doing what's right. That's a bold move for Daniel. Do you see, I mean, do you see that? It's bold for him to go to this king who could have very easily taken his life and said, King, look, you're not living right. You're not doing right. You need to stop this mess and you need to announce God as the king of all and maybe then your prosperity will come back. In fact, anytime you're going to help bring loving correction to anyone, this basically summarizes what we're going to say. You know, stop spending your money so crazily and just do what's right. Stop being so harsh and just do what's right. Stop disrespecting me. Just do what's right. I love you. And that's what he said. He said, stop sinning and do what's right. Then he goes on to say, break from your wicked past and be merciful to the poor. Stop oppressing the people. God has given you influence, king. Be a blessing to the people that serve in your kingdom. Be merciful to them. And then he says, perhaps you may be prosperous. In other words, if you do what's right, you'll be blessed. Now, I don't know when this will be. And I don't know what under what circumstances that it may be under. But if you love Jesus and you live within Christian community as we're supposed to live, doing life with each other, we're encouraging one another, we're loving each other, we support each other, we're doing life around God's Word, we're praying for each other. If that's where you are, there's going to be a time when God is going to call you to stand up to somebody else who's making wrong choices to help them bring them back to Christ. 
just in the same way, church, that there may be times when God will call others to stand up to you because you're blind to it, as I've been blind to many things in my life. In fact, I want to take you to a, a, a passage that Paul spoke on. And Paul said, brothers and sisters, he said, if someone is caught up in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person what? Gently. But watch yourself or you also may be tempted. I love this imagery because, because I love you, because I'm a brother in Christ or a sister in Christ, gently and humbly, I'm no better than you, but I want you to get the right help. I want to get you on the right path because when you're on the right path, you can be blessed. So God has called me sometimes to lovingly confront somebody. And so there's two different prayers that I want to share with you right now that we should be praying to allow our, our mind to be in the right place so that we can confront. And prayer number one is simple, simply this. God, help us to confront with the goal to be restored. Because we want to help somebody get on the right path. We never confront because we're right. We only confront to help someone else be right with God. Again, we don't ever confront because we're right and you're wrong. We come across arrogant. And we can't do that. We, we confront when we want them to get back with God. Read that passage again. It says gently and humbly help that person back on the right path. You see, because approach matters so much. Did you hear that? Approach matters. If I just come up to you and say, man, you're wrong, you need change. Well, who were you to tell me that, Right? But if I have a place within your life and we are living in Christian community with each other and we're both trying to hold each other accountable, then now I can come to you and lovingly and gently and humbly help restore you back to Christ. Because look, social media has made it worse that people we have no relationship with, it just doesn't work. It's in the context of relationship where we're trying to help bring somebody back to Christ. I've, I've always held true to the phrase that people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care because relationship is everything. And quite honestly, that's why I believe so much in small groups because we're doing life with each other. We're building community with each other. And it's in those type of accountability relationships that we now have a place in somebody's life where we can sit down or you can sit down with me, I can sit down with you and say, hey, this is what I've seen. Can we help each other? Prayer number two that we need to pray is simply this. God, help me to confront with caution. And it's real interesting that the Holy Spirit inspired Paul to put it in this way, gently and humbly. But he said, he, he said before long, if we're not careful... We may embrace a prideful, sinful attitude. Well, you'd better bless God that I'm in your life because you were destined to hell till I got there. Right? We can't do things like that. That's why we have to confront with caution. We never want to come with an attitude that I know more than you do. And here's the reality. If you're concerned about an issue to confront somebody about it, it may very well be that God's given you a, 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 a heart for that issue or 
He may even be showing you something in your heart, in your life, that maybe we need to correct. Because remember, we need to be looking into the mirror just as much as we go out and try to help others because sometimes God's speaking directly to you. But God, help me confront with caution. We have to be careful, gently and humbly. You see, because if I ever lovingly bring correction to you, it's not because I'm higher. It's not because you're higher. It's, not, it, it's because we're lower than God. And it's because we realize that because of that, we're lifting each other up to the things of God. So then when we do things the right way, we can see the right results and God can bless us because of it. And that's what Daniel did. He was so genuinely concerned for the king that he was willing to stand up knowing that it would cost him his life. Knowing that he might not live any longer. But my values mean more than this. My character means more than this. And I love the king too much to allow him to continue living this way. And so that's what Daniel does. He genuinely concerned for the king. Why? Because number one, he had relationship with the king. He had a place in his life where he could speak to it. And number two, he did it with genuine compassion. Not out of proving something, but out of humility. You see, we need to understand that Daniel in this passage wasn't out to correct anybody. We're never out to get someone. Not looking to correct others. We're, we're just looking to do life together and so that each of us can be blessed. So what does the king do? Does he go, oh, Daniel, you're right. Forgive me. Let's take communion and sing some awesome worship songs. That would have been great, right? But that's not what the king did. I want you to watch what happens. What he does is he continues to rebel against God. And seven years go by. Seven horrible years. You see, some of you, you're going to obey the prompting of the Holy Spirit. And you're going to get it right. You're not going to be out to prove somebody wrong. You're not going to be arrogant. You're not going to be harsh. You're doing things the right way. And you're going to lovingly confront somebody that you love. And sometimes they may turn and get better. Sometimes they may even get worse. And here's what I hope that you'll hear today. You're not responsible for their response. You are not responsible for their response. You're simply responsible to obey what God has told you to do. And Daniel did that. So seven years went by. And after these seven horrible years, if you guys would come. After these seven years, I want you to watch what happens to this king. In Daniel chapter 4, verse number 28. All this happened to King Nebuchadnezzar. Twelve months later, as the king was walking on the roof of the royal palace in Babylon, he said, Is not this the great Babylon I have built as the royal residence by my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty? I want you to listen to those words. That I built 
by my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty. Even as the words were on his lips, a voice came from heaven. This is what is decreed for you. Your royal authority has been taken from you. You will be driven away from people and will live with the wild animals. You will eat grass like the ox. Seven times will pass by for you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over all the kingdoms on the earth and gives them to anyone he wishes. Immediately what had been said about him was fulfilled. He was driven away from people and ate grass like the ox. His body was drenched with the dew of heaven until his hair grew like the feathers of an eagle and his nails like the claws of a bird. Now watch what happens. Because when you obey God, when God prompts you to go deal with something or someone that you love, and you do things humbly and gently and you do things for the right reasons the right way this is what can happen at the end of that time I Nebuchadnezzar raised my eyes toward heaven and my sanity was restored then I praised the Most High I honored and glorified him who lives forever his dominion is an eternal dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the peoples of the earth are regarded as nothing. He does as he pleases with the powers of heaven and the peoples of the earth. No one can hold back his hand or say to him, what have you done? At the same time that my sanity was restored, my honor and splendor were returned to me for the glory of my kingdom. My advisors and nobles sought me out and I was restored to my throne and became even greater than before. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and glorify the King of Heaven because everything He does is right and all His ways are just. And those who walk in pride, He is able to humble. You see, everything changed. Everything in His life changed. Now I can venture out to say this morning that what would have happened in that King's life had Daniel not had the courage to go speak to him the way that he did. God prompted Daniel to say something. And he did. And it didn't change at first. But over a period of time, he came back to the glory and the power of God. Because that's what he does. God never falls on his promise. Everything he says that will happen, will happen in time. In time. Seven years later, the evil king repents of his sin and turns to God. And God is glorified because he worked through someone who had the courage to stand up to a king that had the power to take his life. Sometimes you're going to have to take a risk. And it can be messy. And it can be ugly. In your marriage, you may have to say, you know what, I've been a, a doormat for too long. I love you too much to let this to keep going on. Your supervisor who may be above you, who's not respecting you. If you, you, Hey, would you please give me a chance? To the child who's gone the wrong way and you say, listen, I love you too much. I made mistakes when I was young too. Would you please listen? Because I want to help give solid advice that may bring 
peace to your life too. And here's what happens. When the Holy Spirit connects in your heart and works through you in God's perfect timing, in God's perfect way, humbly and gently, His people will get back on track. So as we close in prayer this morning, my challenge for you is not to go out and find somebody that you can correct. My challenge to you is simply this. When you see something in someone that you love, stop, pray, and ask God, how can I confront lovingly and humbly so at the end of it, their relationship with you is stronger? How can I confront lovingly and humbly so at the end of it, their relationship with you is stronger? That's my challenge. That we would love each other enough to tell them the truth. To do it in love. Not because we're out to prove anything. Not because we're out to correct them. But because I love you too much to see you going that way. And I promise over time, God will honor. God will honor that. And you can see change.